happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. Hi, everybody. It's us. It's us. We are just here to let you know that you will be listening to our Breakfast Club episode, which you do know. But what you may not know is that this episode was recorded live last month in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Ever heard of San Francisco? <laughs> I have. We were there for like a whole 12 hours yes we were yeah we just wanted to say hello we wanted to let you know if you live in the los angeles area we have a live crossover show coming up in march Mm -hmm. uh, with the daily zeitgeist that's right it is on march 9th Mm -hmm. it is at dynasty Dynasty typewriter Typewriter. and we will be there with jack and miles of the daily zeitgeist and we're going to be talking about the news the trends the movies the moments of 1999 uh so if you live in the area definitely roll the fuck through we Mm -hmm. would love to meet you and hang and you know we don't like to make it a habit to be on stage with men Men. but what did you think i was gonna say (laughs) i just thought friends i thought you were just gonna say on stage in general and i was like we we do live shows all the time no 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 uh we don't like to be seen with men Mm -hmm. very often but you know we're making an exception one night only and we'd love to see you there yes so get tickets at bechtelcast.com uh, and then click on live appearances and we'll see you there. Yeah. Enjoy the live show on The Breakfast Club. Woo! On The Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with The Bechdel cast. Hi, Hi San Francisco! How's it going? What's up? Uh, you went all out. You said the name of the city I and everything. Hi, I'm, I'm Caitlin. I'm Jamie. And we're the Bechtel cast. Thanks yeah, for coming. Thanks for coming. We are indeed in San Francisco. Uh, it is rainy. It is 5.30 p.m. We are shocked and thrilled you're here. Thank you for being Thank here. Thank you. Uh, clap if you've heard the Bechtel cast before. Okay. And... Um, not to put anyone on blast, there's no wrong answer, but obviously there is, based on what you just heard. But clap if you if you haven't heard our show before. Okay. Sick. Are Did you here with friends? Did friends drag you along? Yeah. Okay. Yes. We'll, we'll put on the, right. the best possible show. We'll do our we'll best. Do, we'll do our best. As usual, that is all we can guarantee. <laughs> So if you haven't listened before, the Bechtel cast is a podcast where uh, Caitlin and I, for 500 years now, have been analyzing the role and treatment of women and female characters in famous movies. That's right. And we use the Bechtel test as a jumping off point. It's a media test that requires that two female identifying characters with names speak to each other in the movie that they're in for at least a two-line exchange, and they cannot talk about men. No! Boo! <laughs> Hard. Hard. Yeah. Let's see if we can do it. I know, okay. Right now. Yeah. <clears throat> Jamie. Caitlin. <laughs> That's it. We did it. <laughs> it pretty fucking incredible mm. what you can do. <laughs> so we're covering The Breakfast Club today. Yeah. 
Uh, is there anyone who has not seen this movie? Round of applause. Oh, okay. Someone sat right in front. Uh, we've <laughs> <laughs> Eager for knowledge. Um, we were talking right. about how the, the Breakfast Club kind of sounds like the Bechdel cast. Right? Except we wouldn't let John Hughes anywhere near us. <laughs> what is your history with the movie, Jamie? Um, Judd Nelson made my mom really horny. <laughs> and that's the most... No, I saw this movie in high school, and I thought it was fine. I saw it in college, I thought it was fine. And then I saw it a few days ago, and I thought it was fine. <laughs> I don't like, I just, I, you know, I, I just, John Hughes movies just don't do much for me, even if they're, like, not promoting rape. <laughs> like, I, it's just not, he's just not my, not, except for uh, some parts of Uncle Buck. Oh, sure. Yeah. I like trains, planes, and automobiles. I think that's my favorite. What is that about? It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's uh, Steve Martin and John Candy, so already I'm not mm, passing the Bechdel test. Okay. Uh, they hate each other. They use a lot of modes of transportation. <laughs> that's pretty much it. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun. I would watch that. <laughs> so it's just the two of us today. We don't have a, it is. a guest. Oh, no. I forgot about my history with the movie. Yeah. We've never <laughs> done this before. Sorry. Uh, this is our, first, this is our day. first episode. My history with the movie is uh, I saw it for the first time in high school. I think one of my, like, English teachers was like, hey, kids. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> he encouraged us to watch the movie as, like, an assignment. or I don't know. We, it was something about, like, we watched it in school or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that teacher was later fired. Um, <laughs> not, not for that. He was fired because... <laughs> it was discovered that he was an erotic dancer. Oh, oh, Which that's not like, fair. I don't think he should have been fired as a teacher for that. Hold on, this story has taken a turn. <laughs> I thought you were about to say uh, how uh, he's a molester. It's like, sure, everyone no, had a teacher Spanish who turned out to be a molester. Oh, okay, see, that was, uh, <laughs> that was my track coach. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah, but that's that's not fair. No, that's tough. There, this is kind of like a cool old person movie to show young people. They're like, I get it. <laughs> you want to see Emilio Estevez cry? I get it. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess he really leveled with me. Uh, should I do the recap? Yeah, let's do All the right. recap. You know, people love a recap. And we don't have a guest, so that means I get to interrupt twice as much, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. The movie opens with glass oh shattering. No, it, it opens with a <laughs> David Bowie quote and then and glass then shattering. Glass sh sorry. We were like, okay, what decade are we in here? Is it like uh, John Jesus. Hughes or Charlie Brooker? Am I right? Um, it's a Black Mirror joke. Uh, stop making fun of Charlie Brooker. <laughs> Computers are actually bad. Oh, what? So, uh, yeah, technology actually a little scary. Aren't <laughs> you a hacker though? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that show is Charlie Brooker <laughs> warning everyone about me. <laughs> Speaking of hackers, though, there is uh, like in the beginning with the, the montage of all the quick cuts of like the school. It shows a classroom, and one of the signs there's like a sign hanging up in the classroom uh -huh. that says "Hackers will be expelled." Has anyone noticed that? Yeah. It's go back and Our watch it. Our community right has there. been persecuted. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, so the decades. movie opens. We meet five students. They have detention for nine hours. Is that normal? <laughs> Did anyone have anything like this at their school? <laughs> you just have to spend a feature-length amount of time with people? No, it's like Lord of the Rings. Like all three <laughs> Lord of the Rings movies worth of time. Yeah, mm. I feel like that's asking for someone to get beat up like if you leave five teenagers in a room together for nine hours someone's going to get hurt <laughs> yeah that's just how teens work so the five students we meet are um claire the princess molly ringwald yeah. she's like the rich popular girl type uh we've got andy clark the athlete that's emilio estevez's he character cries. yeah he does cry yeah uh they all cry i think Brian, a.k.a. The Brain. Anthony Michael great Hall. name anagram, am I right? <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall does not uh, rape anyone in this John Hughes movie, so that's good. 
<laughs> right. You're seeing 16, Watch 16 candles. candles. You get very different Anthony Michael. Actually, you kind of get the same character, but a rapist. Mm -hmm. True. Wild. Allison Reynolds is the basket case. That's Ali Sheedy's character. She's not like the other girls. True. <laughs> and finally, Bender's the criminal. Um, that's Judd Nelson's character. He's 26 years old. He's 26 <laughs> in this movie. Kissing a 16-year-old Molly Ringwald. And just a behind-the-scenes fact that I found freaky, like a lot of male actors choose because they won't get in trouble if they do, Judd Nelson was like, I think I'm going to go method with this and just bullied Molly Ringwald for the entirety of the movie. He's 10 years older than her. Offset, right? Offset, yeah. and, and John Hughes at one point tried to fire him, and then all the teens were like, no. It was a. It, I don't. I can't yeah. make heads or tails of that, but it's true. <laughs> Anytime a man thinks he's going method, he just wants to yell at someone. <laughs> like that's just right. Literally, what it is. Also, we talked in the car on the way up here that the members of the Breakfast Club are all also sort of the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Break this down, please. Okay, Sporty Spice, obviously Emilio Estevez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scary Spice is Judd Nelson. Uh, uh, see, this is see, this is where we don't. Uh, okay, all right. Oh, let me make a wow, case for this. Audible groans. <laughs> Jesus, San Francisco. Jesus we we thought Christ. that <laughs> posh is Molly Ringwald. Can we agree yes. with that? Yes. Baby, we said was Anthony Michael, Michael Hall, Hall because he's innocent and blonde. <laughs> a flesh-colored headed head. hair person. I I've know. Ever I'm, seen aware. On. Yeah. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware. That would make Ginger uh, Ali Sheedy's character. I, it's not a one-to-one -one match, but we've got a solid three out of five. <laughs> but then also, Ginger is Molly. Like Molly Ringwald is gingery, based on hair color alone. Sorry to reduce. We're women digging to a their hole hair here. Color. We're digging a hole here. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Um, <laughs> we've got Richard Vernon. He's the teacher principal He's the character. Principal. He's um, the assistant principal who are in there often. I feel like that's like a stock character of like the, the put upon assistant principal. Isn't Captain yeah. Underpants an assistant principal? Or, or was he the principal? I think he was the assistant principal. Anyway. Just a <laughs> scholarly observation. <laughs> and he's like this disciplinarian. He's like, you guys can't talk, you can't move, blah, blah, blah. And they have to write an essay about who they think they are. Then Bender, he's also like the tough nuts. guy. He's trying to get a rise out of everybody. He's like, you're a nerd. And everyone's like, well, you're a jock. And then they're all just hating they each other. They all call each other labels. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because teens? <laughs> but they mostly ignore the quote-unquote basket case girl. And then she doesn't talk for most of the movie. Then we see a montage. There's you know, a lot of dancing they're doing montages. Their stuff. Take out the dancing montages. This movie's 35 minutes long. <laughs> A lot of dancing montages. There's a, a shot where Anthony Michael Hall's character is like adjusting his crotch and then like puts his hat on his lap. Are we to believe that he, he has a got a bonar? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I hope not. Hard but to say. Hard to say. I do. Oh we no! <laughs> I'm so we sorry. Can't, we can't know. Okay, so um, it's hard because there's like kind of not a plot, so I don't know how to recap this. <laughs> <laughs> they could only afford three rooms to <laughs> shoot the movie in, so they got to emote in a lot of different confined spaces. Uh, I don't know. They're just harass like yeah, Judd Nelson's harassing, harassing Molly Ringwald people. for most of the movie, um, it's calling time her all for manner of horrible names. They eat lunch at some point, and then... Um, there's this conversation where Brian is like, I'm a virgin, but I'm embarrassed to admit it. And then Molly Ringwald's like, I think virgins are cool. And then everyone's like, oh. And everyone's like, woo. And then Judd Nelson's like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> um, you know, a lot of points are brought up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the Bender character uh, reveals that he's being physically abused at home by his father. We learn different sort of backstories of each of the characters. Uh, like Ali Sheedy's character is ignored by her parents. Which is why she's eating dog food or something. <laughs> like, I saw she's too much like of myself in her. <laughs> I saw too much of myself in her. I was like, okay, so she's like 
a teenager, but she's she's like, but what do I do? She just if is she like had access to Mike's mush. Hard Lemonades, she would be drinking Mike's Hard Lemonades. She went. She yeah. I mean, she was saying she was drinking vodka, but she she can't even get her hands on an MHL. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassing. So she eats uh, pixie sticks on sandwiches instead. She's not like the other girls, everyone. <laughs> She's g- she needs you to know. And then there's a, a, a point where they uh, go to Bender's locker to get weed. And then they Sick. think, and there is homophobic slurs written all over his locker. Yeah. And then uh, they think they're going to get caught because they are running around the halls trying to dodge Vernon in a scene that is not unlike... Titanic, where Jack and Rose are running around the ship, and then they Trying come not to get a caught gate. by Billy Zane. Yeah, what Billy Zane was in this movie? <laughs> Too much heat. He was busy being in Back to the Future as one of Biff's cronies. Oh, that's true. So playing a similar character to the Judd Nelson character. As long as Zane's getting work. Yeah. <laughs> I, anyway, I can so sleep at night. <laughs> so there's a a gate. And they can't go any farther, just like Jack and Rose. So they have to turn around. They have to find another way. And then, and then one of them drowns. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. We won't tell you which character it is. But in the Breakfast Club, Bender is like, I'll sacrifice myself. So he goes running around all crazy in the halls and gets caught so that the others don't. Yeah, and then there's also the, the uh, scene prior to that where the assistant principal verbally abuses Bender and l- like just it that's like a tough scene to uh, to unpack but mm-hmm. um at the, at the beginning you're not sure why Bender's being such a dick to everyone but as as the movie goes on you see, you you start to understand why. So by the time he's flailing around and got the weed you're like, "Okay, this is this is like 60% fine with me." Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then shortly after that, whenever he gets caught by Vernon, uh, he like locks Bender in a closet and then yeah. like tries to initiate a physical fight with him. And then we yeah, see like insane. him kind of Bender like back down and not engage. Um, so maybe he's more sensitive than we all think. Or he is. maybe his teacher's trying to fight him, <laughs> like <laughs> like an unhinged person. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, everyone at this school likes me. No one will believe me if I fight you. I was like, what are you talking about? Sicko. And then Bender escapes through like the air ducts and gets back into the library. Very Mission Impossible. True. And then he hides under a desk because uh, Vernon comes in, and that's when we get the famous and upsetting underwear uh, crotch shot of oh Molly yeah, Ringwald's which character. We'll get. we'll get there. Yeah. Don't you worry. <laughs> There's. And then they're all they're they smoke the weed. There's a million dance it's breaks. Super cool. <laughs> you cannot have an '80s teen movie without Kevin Bacon or Emilio weed? Estevez or someone just dancing for like five minutes straight. Guys, remember when weed was cool? Still, <laughs> this movie brings you back to when weed was cool. <laughs> right. And not for dads trying to tell you they get it. And then we get to the scene where they're all sitting around and they're talking about sex. Ever heard of it? Um, <laughs> who's horny, who's not? That's not the, how it goes. Um, they're like all virgins, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Bender's trying to, like, he's like, he goes back to berating Claire for a bit. They all talk about, hey, are we going to be friends after this? And then Claire's, Claire's like, like, I'm too popular. That She's a straight shooter. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then um, Brian reveals that he is failing shop right. class. Mm-hmm. And then the reason he got detention is that he brought a gun to school with the intention of committing suicide. Right. But with a f- flare gun, which is played as a joke. And it's, I don't know, we can talk about that later. But it's also, weird. Yeah. It's remember weird. the days when you could bring a weapon to school and only get Saturday detention? <laughs> like, what? Oh, goodness. <laughs> And then uh, Allison's like, I didn't do anything to get detention. I just showed up. <laughs> but first she says a lot of f- fucked up stuff. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, and then her, her secret, as it were, whatever, is, is that she is a compulsive liar. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they dance again, right? <laughs> Somehow they dance again. 
Because well, at some earlier, point these are recycling shots. <laughs> You're just earlier like, it was just ridiculous. Emilio Estevez dancing, and then they dance as a group. That's the video that Alexandria uh, Ocasio Cortez, Cortez was yeah. recreating when she was a student at Boston University. Now is a great right. time to bring up that I do oh have a master's God. degree in screenwriting from Boston <laughs> University. Thank you. Why so would you much. cheer for that? <laughs> Unfortunately, AOC and I did not overlap at our time at BU, but, you know, BU represent. Wow. (laughs) I'm sorry, Jamie. (laughs) I also went to college. Thank you so much. Guys, it's a fucking scam. (laughs) No one learned anything. It's a fucking scam, and we're all going to be in debt until we're dead. Please, uh, please thank buy you, good our night. merch over there because <laughs> we are drowning in in student loan debt. Um, I took a class on Lost in college. I'm just like, they're, <laughs> the show and I'm Lost, never, and I'm never, yeah, and I'm never going to own a home. You know, it's just like, sure, <laughs> worth it. <laughs> okay, so after the dance, where they all dance, Claire gives Allison a makeover um, because women. Right? Right. We'll talk about that. (laughs) And then Claire, for no reason, it seems, goes and kisses Bender on the collarbone. Yeah. I mean, because after harassing her for nine consecutive hours, she's decided he's worn her down, Mm -hmm. you know? Really, uh, really, really uh, male writing going on there. And Um, then Andy, who, who sees Allison, is like, wow. You're pretty. You took your hoodie off. (laughs) I love you. And then, meanwhile, Brian, who has no one to kiss, is forced to do everyone's homework. homework. (laughs) (laughs) Which, honestly, is a wild power move that I thought was a little funny. Because they were all, like, in that moment, I was like, Brian, you're seriously falling for this right now? Like, he's just, they're just like, Brian, you're the smartest out of all of us, which they know is what he wants to hear. Mm. And he's like, yeah, so? And they're like, so we were thinking you would do every-. I'm like, this happens to, like, dorky kids in school all the time. They don't fall for that shit after a while. Yeah. Brian's too old to be falling for that trick. <laughs> Grow up, Brian. Don't write everyone's essay. But he does, and he's all like, you see us how you want to see us, Mr. Vernon. Yeah, he kind of goes edgelord on it. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, but we're all the criminal and princess and basket case. So teach, you don't get us. Can you imagine, like, if you were a person doing their job and someone left you that letter? I would literally be like... Yeah, fine. And I would throw it away immediately. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, and then, and then all, they all leave. And then yeah. there are two hetero kisses. And then old fingerless gloves pumps his fist. And then we all get to go home. <laughs> and that's the movie. That <laughs> is the movie. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. 
join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I had fun with this because I'm not particularly attached to the movie. Sure. Um, and a lot of it, I don't, I mean, things I appreciate about this movie are that it is a movie that, even though it misfires in a lot of directions and, and, and ways we'll talk about, it at least takes teenage characters seriously. And, and for the most part, we're seeing teenagers like acting out and and you know uh, often <laughs> harassing each other and teasing each other but at very least you get background for everyone in some context and uh unlike a lot of other teen movies it doesn't go the direction of playing the adult in a totally comical way too or like uh, often if it's like a, a movie directed or, or marketed at young people mm -hmm. it's like all the teens get it and the adults are fucking idiots and they are but like it, you at least get background on them as well sure and i don't know everyone felt uh, at least there was attention given to every character even if uh, a lot of it was like no <laughs> so i appreciated that yeah and i agree i i I don't have an especial attachment to this movie either. Again, I'm not like a huge John Hughes fan. But, I mean, he was doing what no one was really doing at that time. And this is something that um, Molly Ringwald brings up in the piece that she wrote for The New Yorker where he kind of revolutionized stories for and about teenagers. So I, I understand why this is a beloved movie then and still now. And I think that... One of the th things that I think it does pretty well, and this is kind of mirroring what you were saying, Jamie, but it spends time and attention on each of the characters. So, you know, we talk about the female characters, and they are, although I don't know about female the Ali character. Well, they're underrepresented in this movie in general because you see the Breakfast Club is male character heavy, and then the other three adult, all three adult characters you see are men. The assistant principal, Carl, cool janitor Carl. Mm. Shout out to my freaking boy. <laughs> and then uh, Emilio Estevez's uh, wild and out dad, who isn't, who's Emilio Estevez's real dad? Isn't it someone famous? Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen, missed opportunity. What, someone is heckling Martin Some Sheen? <laughs> What's up? President, President yeah. Dude, Aaron Sorkin was canceled today. Pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, but Martin Sheen, uh, Grayson and Frankie, season five. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you might know him from Grayson and Frankie. <laughs> I love that show. Uh, anyways, what were we talking about? Oh, <laughs> too many men. That's a note. You're true. <laughs> That's only, but yeah, I mean, all three, I, I think it was like a, a misstep and... In, in, to be generous with John Hughes, who does not have a good track record uh, in, in a lot of respects, making every adult character presented uh, male character is both weird and also not reflective of the education system. Like, it just was like, I don't know. It just seems like a dumb missed opportunity. Yeah, we see Brian's mom very briefly, and I think, I don't think we see any other parents, but she's like, study! Well, we see, I mean, we see dad. Amelia's daddy. Right, right, but in addition to that, I don't Sports think we see any other ones. Yeah, <laughs> sport dad. Yeah, and I think with the Molly Ringwald character, like so much attention is focused on her, um, yeah. which is good for our discussion. But with the basket case, Ali Sheedy character, yeah. she doesn't even say words until like 33 minutes into the movie or something like that. And then she's like acting vaguely feral. Like it's, it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Her character is is confusing, and 
it's weird because it's like it comes out that she's a compulsive liar, which is played as a joke, basically, right. because they're like, oh, everything this. But like if you only have two female characters and at the end you're like, oh, this female character, one of the two, don't listen to a word she fucking says. <laughs> right. Not a true word comes out of this lady's mouth. Like that that's <laughs> not that she um, said much to begin with cuz then she doesn't speak again until like I think it's 59 minutes into the movie. But the things she does say at the end are very dark. Like right. she says that she has sex with her therapist as an underage girl. Like she says some really dark stuff and and then to like say all that stuff and then just be like, "Oh, I'm a compulsive liar." Teehee and then kiss Emilio Estevez is like <laughs> First of all, what? <laughs> and, and that's like a very 1980s like glazing over of what like of a discussion of mental illness. True. Uh, and like compulsive lying is like a very blanket term that it's clear the writer doesn't understand or mm-hmm. has done any research on. And he just kind of uses it ultimately as a way to be like, well, uh, hope you weren't listening to her because she's nuts. And But we made her pretty, so now she's going to kiss Martin Sheen's son. Yep. Like, which is a bummer because I love Ali Sheedy and that... I mean, it's it's weird because I feel like a lot of young women and and you know older women who see that movie more closely align with her than with Claire. But the chasm between those two people is like no one is really either of them. But when I was a teenager, I was like, well, I guess I'm the one eating dog food <laughs> because no one invites me places. <laughs> So I guess I'm just... So that's not good. Right. (laughs) Well, because one of the main things about this movie is that we see all these trope characters. So we right. see like the princess character. I like, I guess a basket case was a, as a trope or like a click or something in the day. But that means you see a representation on screen of women in these very tropey roles. But the whole point of the movie also is to say, Hey, you might have this identity to some degree based on like the click you're in or whatever, yeah. but you're a multidimensional person that has uh, stuff to offer outside of that you know high school identity and that's like you know the theme of the movie but you still get these characters who I would argue we don't really get to know well enough or don't have that much nuance as much nuance as the movie wants you to think they have right I mean they're all it's weird because in some ways they're like oh all these like high school trope characters are deeper than you think which the movie does do, but there's still that character. Like right. there's still the football guy is is being is footballing too hard. <laughs> like <laughs> you're like okay, or like she's too popular. <laughs> like, <laughs> there, it's not really even like subverting that much if you think about it that much because it's like Molly Ringwald. You know, everyone has issues with their parents, which is brought through in the movie pretty effectively. But it's not like. Uh, another brilliant feminist text, High School Musical, (laughs) where in the showstopper stick to the status quo, you find out, hey, here's someone who's really academic, but she loves to dance. And (laughs) here's a basketball star, Corbin Blue. Or no, no, it's it's Zeke. Zeke, he's in basketball, but he loves to bake. Like... Is that the Zac Efron character? No, he's not in this number. He's playing basketball. (laughs) (laughs) He's busy. Okay. But it's uh, all that to say. I just got really excited. Um, No, but like, it's not even that the characters in The Breakfast Club necessarily like contain multitudes and are like, (laughs) they're just like, no, I really am popular. And it's not as easy as it looks. And and I have parents. You're just like, okay. Like, I don't know. It's right. I, 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 There is some, like, posturing it does that, I don't know. I think sometimes this movie gets credit for work it's not necessarily doing. Yeah. And also, if there are five main characters and there's opportunities to see them like interacting on screen in different, like, combinations, you know, like either one-on-one or there maybe there's three of them, I feel like one of the combinations that gets the least amount of attention uh, in the movie is the Claire Allison relationship. 
I mean, pretty much all of it's at the very end right. of the movie. Yeah, and I it, that feels like a like John Hughes doesn't understand how to write teenage girls interacting as Ooh, many great men transition. Don't. <laughs> I have a little okay. So John Hughes, this is like phase two of John Hughes's career at this point, where he starts out at a feminist Bible called the National Lampoon. Mm. <laughs> Whilst there, he writes some of the most offensive stuff I've ever heard. Yes. Uh, for here are two examples I'm able to say out loud, <laughs> but they're very. Th- and this and this predates Breakfast Club, and it's not, but worth it for context. Uh, some short stories John Hughes thought right off the top of his head: A Dog's Tale has a boy watching his mother turn into a dog. Yep. <laughs> Against His Will features an, quote, ugly, fat, unquote, woman who tries to rape a man at gunpoint in front of the man's wife and parents because she can't have sex otherwise. Yep. Yeah, okay, and then here's the the Hughes Engagement Guide is an illustrated manual on how to protect yourself against women. It gives examples of women, quote, bullshitting to not put out, unquote, and teaches readers how to do a, quote, quickie pelvic exam, unquote, how to detect, quote, signs of future fat, unquote, and how to determine if a woman has ancestors of different races based on what her relatives look like. So... That's our hero, John Hughes. Yes, queen indeed. (laughs) There... And and this, I mean, that makes it hard to want to watch anything he does and and it is weird that you know like these were written as as recently as within like five to seven years before he started making these serious teen movies Mm -hmm. so it's not as surprising at all that he cannot write a competent female character there's a persona a john hughes persona that existed prior to this that was quite contemptuous of women uh and and it's it is interesting and bizarre that he you know a few years on decides that he is going to be like a a voice for teenage girls right going back to that specific relationship in the movie between claire and allison the only like one-on-one interaction they have is toward the end whenever claire gives allison a makeover because right. according to John Hughes girls can't talk unless they're putting makeup in each other um, well and then prior to that it's very antagonistic between the two of them right. where they these two characters have barely spoken the whole movie they may not have actually spoken to each other at all besides in passing before this scene where everyone's talking about sex and Judd Nelson's character for whatever reason decides he's going to you know double down on Molly Ringwald's character again and is like why won't you tell me if you're a virgin what because you know if you ask it's like being a cop you have to tell people if you're a virgin <laughs> uh like <laughs> but it's just so he decides to start harassing her again and for some kind of weird inexplicable reason Allison joins in and is kind of like, no, why won't you tell him? And and uh, it's it's hard <laughs> to parse exactly what the intent of that scene is, like over thirty years later. But I think that you're supposed to want to be like, you're like, oh no, she should tell us. It's like, no, no one ever owes any random detention kids <laughs> any of your personal information ever, you know. And but it it struck me as just like frustrating and annoying that this is the first time we're actually getting an interaction out of these characters and immediately and kind of in the story I think irrationally Allison just turns on Claire and starts harassing her there's also another small example within the same scene where Allison comes to Claire's defense and she's like actually don't bother her but it's just so all over the place right. that you're just like why like because one of the first things she says is it's a double-edged sword. If you haven't had sex, you're a prude. If you have, you're a slut, which she's commenting on a very real double standard for women and whether right. or not they've had sex. But then she says, you know, you want to, but you can't. And then you're a tease, right? You're like, she well, calls her a tease several times. Well, I think she's still like making some sort of commentary there, but it's weird that she does that right after she like 
dunks on Molly Ringwald for bullying her into, you know, saying it one way or the other. And it's just, I don't know. The, the, I think this movie thinks that if anyone asks you if you're a virgin, you're legally required to tell them. <laughs> because people are treating Molly Ringwald like she is breaking the law by, uh, by not disclosing. Um, that transitions pretty well into a, a short scene earlier in the movie where um, Anthony Michael Hall's character, Brian, uh, is being harassed by Judd Nelson, which is 70% of the movie. Um, but uh, he's being harassed, and Judd, Judd Nelson, like the, his movie is like, you're a virgin, which is pretty true to high school. But he's you know teasing Brian, calling him a virgin. Brian's like, I'm not a virgin. I've laid lots of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're like, yikes. <laughs> Dead giveaway, dude. There, but, but then he starts to lie, which also feels like, uh, I don't know, at least based on like people I knew in high school, that's a pretty authentic experience of guys being like, no, I had sex all the time. And then Judd Nelson's like, who? And then he like gestures at Molly Ringwald. It's like, her. <laughs> and yeah. then Judd Nelson's like, Molly Ringwald, you fuck this guy? And... <laughs> And so this could be a very l- troubling scene. Yeah. Uh, the reason it works pretty well for me is that, uh, I don't know. I mean, Molly Ringwald finds out immediately. She's right there. And yeah. she's like, no. <laughs> and then, you know, like calls him out on it. Like, don't do that. And he apologizes. He's like, but being a virgin's a loser. And then she says what you said earlier. Yeah. Like, being a virgin is actually awesome. <laughs> and then... Judd She's Nelson. Posh Spice, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then, you know, it, there are two virgins and a Judd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That scene worked for me way better than uh, all the times they're just piling on my, Molly Ringwald to make her say something one, one way or the other. And it's not just that. I mean, it's the Judd Nelson character. Fingerless gloves. Uh, he's a little counterculture, everyone. <laughs> he's uh, He spends almost the entire movie either sexually harassing her by saying yeah. things like, hey, let's lock the doors so we can impregnate the prom queen. Or Which is so threatening a to rape threat. her. Yeah. yeah, that is a threat. He asks Andy, he's like, hey, did you give her the hot beef injection? I think is the line. And then you're like, oh, yeah, a 40-year-old man thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Um, Or, like, the skirt scene where he sees her. He's under the desk. Let's give some context for that. Yes. So he's hiding under the desk. The um, Bender character is because he can't be seen by Vernon. As he's under there, he sees Claire's underwear. So this was a scene that, uh, that's not Molly Ringwald in that scene. Legally, it could not be Molly Ringwald in that scene. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, the, in the New Yorker essay from last year that you were referencing earlier, because Molly Ringwald is like 16, 17 when this is filmed, so her mom is talking with John Hughes almost as much as she is. And there was one plot point involving a naked female gym teacher that they talked him out of including because it was just perverted and weird. Uh, but they could not talk him out of the underwear scene. And yeah. that was something that Molly Ringwald's mom was, like, really frustrated and upset about. And, like, John Hughes would not back down on it. And so they had to hire a body double to come in and be, you know, the the, the, the skirt. <laughs> yeah. And um, so that is why that scene is there. It's just like that. That is such like a classic example of like, here are two women telling you this is not okay, And he's like, I'll hire someone else. And, you know, just like flexes on them in this very gross way. Right. If if (laughs) it's also like safe to say if the actor you hired cannot legally do it probably don't do it. <laughs> like, that is a great indication. Especially if the actor opposite them is 26 years old. Like, what are you... Gross. Yeah, and then we're meant to, I think... So he sees her underwear, and then we see him move his face closer into her crotch area, and then she yelps. So we see her in frame rather than him then, and she like yelps, and then 
hard to say what exactly happens, but I think we can <sighs> easily Johnny assume a virgin. that he... he doesn't know what happens. <laughs> he doesn't know. He, but the basically the Bender character assaults her. Yeah. And then the reaction is immediately afterwards, her like smacking him several times on the back. And then that doesn't get brought up. I mean, that just... They still make uh, out at the end, and they, she gives yeah. him a diamond. Yeah. God, if every man that assaulted you, you had to give a diamond. I swear to <laughs> fucking God. Johnny kind Hughes is disgusting. Opposite of what happens in Titanic with the Billy Zane. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. <laughs> um... Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I mean, the rundown of of what Bender's character says to Claire is like, I mean, it really, there's a lot of anti-queer slurs thrown throughout this movie uh, from all characters. So you know that John Hughes just thinks it's chill. There's uh, one speech, like monologue that Mm -hmm. uh, Bender delivers to Claire uh, that is like fat shaming her in the future. Yeah. Which is just you're d- insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's harassing her, asking if she's a virgin all the time. He's making comments about how she couldn't, you know, get away from him if she wanted to. She can't resist him. All this stuff. Yeah. Uh, he screams, "You are a bitch!" at her loudly. Mm-hmm. Um, at he one tell- point, he kind of he makes fun of Andy, who is a, a wrestler. He's like, "Oh, I just admire any." guy who rolls around on the floor with another guy and like the implication that is is he's saying something homophobic uh, yeah yeah so bender maybe not a good guy and yet for reasons that are very unclear to at least me she goes into the broom closet that he is locked into because he was misbehaving so badly. Gives him a hickey and a diamond. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, but this is something we see again and again where, I mean, and he's not even wearing her down in a way that movies usually do it, where it's like, please go out with me, please, please, please. He's just like, you're a fucking bitch. He's ramping it up the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. And then it's, like, after he assaults her that she's, like, I'm going to give him a chance. Like, it's just not, it's totally nonsensical. Right. The way that happens. And it's, like, at least that's very clear to people now. But it's just, like, it's crazy. I mean, and that's not to say that there isn't 
more context and layers to the Bender character because there is, and there's like a lot of time devoted to his background and uh, coming from an abusive household. That scene we were referencing with him and the assistant principal who is basically the whole time saying that he can be abusive. You know, he's another like abusive paternal figure in Bender's life and he's allowed to do that because Bender is poor and Bender's from an abusive household and no Mm -hmm. one will believe him if he says anything, which is... I mean, like powerful stuff, and and like I I was affected by it, especially in that scene where the assistant principals like fight me, which is classic. But but mm. <laughs> before that, <laughs> that bizarre initiation, he's saying a lot of horrible stuff that like is recognizable of like uh, an abusive paternal figure. Yeah. So it's like even more of a bummer if you get that side of effective storytelling. But then, you know, you're also setting the standard of you have incredible empathy for this character who is verbally abusing one of the only females you get to see on screen mm-hmm. for the entire time. And that's not really reflected as something that's not okay to do. So it's even, like, more of a bummer of, like, by the end of the movie, it's hard not to, like, love him in some way or have a lot of empathy for him while he's doing these horrible things that are not really treated as horrible. Right. So it, it's a We're real... gaslit once again. God damn it. Damn it. And then, the, well, the other hetero romance that ends up playing out is a direct result of a makeover scene, mm-hmm. which is when Claire is putting the, the makeup on Allison in mm-hmm. the only, again, the only scene that they have together one-on-one. And then she says something like, you look a lot better with all that black shit under your eyes. Mm. And then the hot topic managers of the world shat themselves. (laughs) (laughs) And then she completely changes the way Allison looks. And I guess, did Claire just bring a whole other outfit to school to give to her? Not even a cute outfit, by the way. Well, yeah, because she's got... Like a flower in her hair. Her makeup is more traditional. Uh, She's wearing pastel pink. And then Andy sees her and he's like, (gasps) 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 So basically, my bonar. (laughs) (laughs) So she's only attractive to Andy once she changes everything about her appearance. Yeah. And it doesn't occur to him that she is attractive until she's adhering to like this more conventional feminine standard of beauty. Right. Which was the you know, part of the projected point of her character was to subvert that. But clearly John Hughes is a lawless motherfucker. <laughs> and it actually doesn't have much of a vested interest of subverting much of anything. Bam, ba, ba, bam. Mm, wow. Um, anyways, so, one other point I wanted to hit on for the Brian character, who we don't really get to know before he, the, he they're like, hey, do our ha- homework, dork. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he writes like shitty lyrics or whatever. But he's characterized very late in the story. And he says that, yeah, he was going to kill himself with a, with a flare gun. Mm-hmm. It's just worth saying. Um, is like a very bizarre, reductive way to treat any suicidality or, yeah. or anything like that. And it almost feels like an afterthought in the story of like, Oh shit. Anthony Michael Hall's here. What, <laughs> what would he have done? He already raped someone in the last movie. I don't know what to do with him in this one. Um, and then they sort of just, sh- I mean, and it's, it's weird because it, it, it could be an effective plot point that was thoughtfully told, but he says it in like three sentences, sort of, and then everyone is sort of like, huh, 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 that's stupid. And he's like, you're right. <laughs> and so you're just like, oh, so he's cured of suicidal thoughts and tendencies? Pretty yeah. sure that's not how that works, but no. And then, and then, and then, right after he's like, uh, you know, I recently almost killed myself. They're like, tee hee hee, do our homework. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's. I mean, it's one good. of many things that is not handled well in the movie. No, I, it's not. Um, <sighs> I guess uh, last thing I have is just uh, go, uh, checking out some of the smaller ringwalds. Yes. Uh, she wrote the piece last year that uh, we thought was like a really thoughtful look at 
the body of work that made her famous. Highly recommend checking it out. I like to think she wrote it between scenes of Riverdale being shot. <laughs> but we don't know the circumstances. But let's say canonically it was between scenes <laughs> of Riverdale. Are there any particular passages you wanted to, to point out? Or? Um, let's see. I already kind of paraphrased a few of them. So if you want to take a crack at any of yours. Uh, well, basically, she runs through a lot of stuff we were talking about today. And just like uh, at the time when she was 16, 17, shooting these movies, she didn't recognize and hadn't been conditioned to recognize the elements of r rape culture and, and other things that appear in these movies. Aside from the things that she did notice and pointed out and sometimes were ignored and sometimes weren't ignored. And she gives a few examples of those. Um, she also gives a great anecdote talking with the woman from 16 Candles, who it's implied that Anthony Michael Hall's character rapes, and uh, how they like got lunch together, and Molly Ringwald was like, do you think this was fucked up? And the lady was like, honestly, never thought about it. And then, like three hours later, the actress who played that part uh, emails her back and is like, oh my god, that was incredibly fucked up. And so it was just like a really interesting piece on, um, you know, just sort of what we're trying to do is just, uh, yeah. you know, reflect on stuff without, you know, totally disowning it as a body of work, but just, you know, viewing it more thoughtfully and critically. I just wanted to read the thing she says, the, the, how she sort of uh, closes the piece out. Mm -hmm. uh, she says, quote, uh, how are we meant to feel about art that we both love and oppose? What if we're in the unusual position of ha having helped create it? Erasing history is a dangerous road when it comes to art. Change is essential, but so too is remembering the past in all of its transgression and barbarism so that we may properly gauge how far we have come and also how far we still need to go, which I thought was just nice. That is, yeah, that's like kind of like the thesis of the Bechdel cast. And then, <laughs> and then Cole Sprouse leans into the room and he's like, we're shooting Riverdale over here. <laughs> and then... She had to go. <laughs> but up till then, it was a great essay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah. will say, uh, this is one of a few teen movies that doesn't end in a prom or doesn't have some sort of prom affiliated with it. I honestly think that if he had had the budget, he would have anyway. He probably would have. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. Prom is that night, and they've yeah. spent nine hours in detention, so they're like, we're tired, but <laughs> I guess we'll go to prom. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean. So, uh, and we're, we're almost out of time here, too. Caitlin. Yeah. Does this movie pass the Bechdel test? I am going to say yes. I know. Because. <laughs> Speak your case. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, this one is worth kind of debating because Allison says, okay. I'll do anything sexual and I don't need a million dollars to do it. I mean, we can all relate. Um, <laughs> sorry, that, that was erasing asexual people, so I'm sorry to do that. Claire says, you're lying. And then Allison says, I already have. I've done just about everything there is except a few things that are illegal. Again, we can all relate. Um... <laughs> And then she but, says, I'm a nymphomaniac. But isn't she implying heterosexuals? Sex, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't uh, think that counts. That one is probably a no. But then yeah. Claire and Allison talk about makeup, and they say, don't stick me, don't stick that in my eye. And Claire says, you know, you look a lot better with all that, without all that black shit around your eye. And then Allison says, hey, I like that black shit. And then Claire says, this looks a lot better. And then she's like, why are you being I, so nice to me? Because you're letting me. The end of that conversation. <laughs> Tragically, that does pass. That is the past. That is the past. It but again, it's two women talking test. about confining hair, to makeup. Right, yes. Very hyper-feminine things. Hot. So that is a yes. Um, um, but all right. Well, John uses a feminist icon. I take it all back. Uh, feel a little fucking stupid now <laughs> for saying all those things about him. Uh, all right, shall we, shall we rate it on our nipple scale? Yes, we should. All right, let's do it. There. Oh. Wow. Oh. <laughs> if you're not familiar, our nipple scale, uh, we use a scale of zero to five nipples, and we rate it based on its portrayal and representation of women. 
this one's kind of tricky for me because it is an earlier example of seeing teen women on screen who are not the way that they were portrayed in movies like Porky's and Revenge Ugh. of the Nerds oh and like God. really awful Never movies. Never say Porky's in front of me. I'm again. so sorry. <laughs> How dare they make a movie called Porky's? <laughs> so we're seeing more nuanced depictions of teen girls, but again, I would argue not as nuanced no. as the movie wants you to think. They're still fairly tropey, and we do get to know them, and they, the, these characters, especially the Molly Ringwald character, is more developed of a character than we had seen in a teen girl kind of up until that point. But the way that she is treated, especially by the Judd Nelson character, and then forced into a hetero kiss with him the movie forcing her because she is the one who goes and kisses him She's which like, is awesome. like why did you do that he threatened to rape you nine hours ago um, and then he did assault you <laughs> right it's just ugh. so uh, there's a lot of missteps like that uh worth noting that this is an extremely white movie in yeah. fact i mean it's all an entire 100 all of a john, white I mean, movie yeah and all of john hughes's movies except uh, for the long duck dong character in 16 <laughs> candles which i'm so is sorry you're Right, he's an icon of representation. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I know this is a beloved movie. I know it explores themes that still resonate with us today. No, but no, I think no. it is very obviously a 1985 movie. 85? 85. 84. 85. Going once, but it takes place twice. in 1984. Oh, right, okay. For some I reason, it came out detentions in 84. Yes. Movies in 85. Who knows why? I'm going to give it one and a half. Okay. Is that wrong? I I hate doing this at live shows because I'm like, I'm wrong. Everyone goes. <laughs> <laughs> she said one and a half. One and a half. Let her live. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Who are you giving the nips to? I'm going to give one to Molly Ringwald. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw my half nipple to Anthony Michael Hall, mm. as unexpected of a twist that wow. may be. <laughs> I'm upset I by this, I have more too. of an issue with that. I know. I don't know why I did the rating. that. Uh, I'm going to give it a half nipple because uh, women are there. <laughs> Which not all movies get to. Um, I don't know. I don't think that th this movie or John Hughes's entire body of work is like as subversive as people make it out to be. And it might be partially because I'm not attached to it and was never really a fan of it. But I just, you know, you learn about I, I it's like you learn about Molly Ringwald's character, but that doesn't mean that her character isn't totally sold out by the writer by the end of the movie. And yeah. you don't really learn anything about uh, Ali Sheedy's character. No. And she's also sold out by the end of the movie. And so it's really, I mean, I guess, you know, it's like the, the two female characters I thought were made by the writer to act very irrationally at the end of the movie in a way that in the first hour plus of the movie you would not expect them to act based on like a strong foundation and then at the end they're just like no you gotta you gotta have a kiss like so I feel for for both of those characters that like had some promise and then were kind of sold out and I also feel for Anthony Michael Hall because he had to do everyone's homework yeah and that's not cool have a nipple and I'm giving it to the janitor Hell yeah. Who is hot? And who is hot? And who in He's like hot the, and confident. The, well the cause the the quick montage right. at the very beginning in which you do see the, the hacker him. hackers will be expelled the frame. Uh -huh. There's another shot where it's uh like men ugh, gross. But one of them's like, man of the year. There's like a photo, and it's a photo of, of Carl. He was really? man of the year when he was in high school. Uh, I love Carl. We didn't get to talk about Carl, but Carl is one of the most fully realized characters in the movie. 
when everyone's trying to be like, you're a janitor, he's like, fuck you, I'm a janitor. And I was like, yeah, Carl, you fuck, he fucking rules. He dunks on everyone. He just like, anyone who talks back to Carl, he's like, you can't touch me. I'm, I'm the most confident man alive. Like, he goes home and has sex every day. Like, he's man of the year in my book. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's our show. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thank you for coming. Yeah. All right, that was that. That, that was, was the that. episode. That was so much fun. We wanted to thank uh, everyone who came to the San Francisco show. The turnout was way more than we were expecting. I think For there was sure. like 150 people yeah. in a venue that was not necessarily supposed to hold that many people. Right. Uh, which was so great. And speaking of the venue, thanks for having us. Uh, we were at Piano Fight. Yeah, so. it was part of the San Francisco Sketch Festival. So shouts out to Sketch Fest for having us. Yes. Shouts out to Piano Fight for, for having us there. Yes. Um, thank you so much to our friend, friend of the cast, Sammy Junio, for recording the show for us. And for being our road dog for that whole tour. You'll be hearing a lot about them in the next couple of weeks as we release these episodes. Indeed. And also, big thanks to our friend Catherine Leon, who yes. was at the show and was helping us sell merch and just, like, stay organized and stuff. So She's an angel. Big thanks to Catherine. Thanks, friends. Also, big thanks to anyone who bought merch at that show. Yeah. So that helped us out a lot. Yeah. We'll be back in San Francisco sometime soon. We soon, hope. yeah. Uh, and as for you, listening person, wherever you are, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts